Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Is Garrett Gilbert uh, QB1? Sure is. <laughs> and my mustachioed middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Fresh mustache. Loving it, Matthew. 2-0. Let's go. 13 more to catch the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matthew just told us that the Baltimore Ravens have won 15 straight preseason games. Which is amazing. I've, I've been listening to a lot of uh, like fantasy football talk radio recently. Gotta get, get prepped. Wait, talk radio or podcast? Yeah. No, talk radio. Sirius like, XM channel 87. Has a fantasy football channel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize yeah. that. Some, some hours are good. Some hours are bad. A, <laughs> a, lot, of, a lot of listener calls. Because I think I have about six fantasy football podcasts yeah. that I like cycle through, and you know I'll pick and choose which ones I want to listen to. But there, there's a lot of listener calls, people asking for like stupid things. Like right now, it's a lot of keepers. Like who should I keep in yeah. in, in, my, in my league? You know, and um, a lot of people have no idea what they're doing. See, why do you listen <laughs> to is... that crap? Why do you listen to that crap versus like people <laughs> that actually know what they're talking about, giving you like solid information? No, because you listen to hosts, like the the hosts. Well, it's like, a, have well, it's a, no, no, but no, 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 Michael. Forced, Michael, but, it's the same you, reason someone watches Jersey Shore. He's <laughs> just trying to feel better about himself exactly. every time he listens to some idiot call exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> no, but all all of those guys are really in, big into like the betting markets as well, like the fantasy football, like gambling, like it's, it's, it's an overlap. Um, and they have all been talking for the past like two weeks about how you always bet on the Ravens in preseason. Like, always take the Ravens to win in the preseason, which I can't even imagine betting on preseason NFL football oh, games. Preseason, like DFS, is like daily fantasy, is yeah. a huge deal. Huge deal. <laughs> that is so funny. No, how, people how are making even, like $100,000 on like a one-day like game. How do you like even go day. about it? Like, how do you pick the players? Like, you're picking third oh, stringers oh, because you're those reading, are the guys who are getting yeah. the most reps yeah. and like have the most You look at historical trends on how the coaches like play guys. You read the tea leaves on like practice and camp stuff. That's like it's deep. like I would not. Oh, that would be so stressful. Oh yeah, because you'd be like, no. "Why are you not playing?" No, Why? but it's more fun for these fantasy people that like the regular season is so like routine well, and it's like, like normal. Numbers and anyway. this is like way more random, and there's a lot more like stuff going on and a lot so more much more variance. Yeah. Oh man, my wife would hate me so much if I like, tossed up a no. on fantasy. Or preseason fantasy football. She wouldn't even have the frame of reference to know that that's bad. No, but she would know that I was watching all these random <laughs> preseason <laughs> games. That is hilarious. So, yes, as Matthew said, we are 2-0. and The Browns won on Saturday against the Colts, 21-18. to On this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to talk about some of the position battles that are going to fill up the end of this 53-man roster. Um, there was a Building the Browns that just came out. Um, and we'll talk about some quotes and comments from different people on the team. Um, so let's talk about this game. Can we can we start with Garrett Gilbert? Let's start with Garrett Gilbert. He is a part of this okay. game. Um, I joked he's he was starting QB quarterback. QB started QB1. this game. <laughs> I joked at him as QB one, which he was for this game. But he was solid, and he was pretty darn good in week one too. Thirteen of nineteen. I mean, touchdown. One hundred fifty-one, two touchdowns. Two TDs, that's Two right. TDs. And so rightfully so, after the game, every Browns fan that's on Twitter is asking the question, is Garrett Gilbert the number two quarterback? Freddie Kitchens pretty adamantly stated it's Drew Stanton. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out why in the world you don't throw Drew Stanton out there, at least for a series or two, if he's definitely your backup quarterback. So 
something doesn't seem right to me. Like how how are you guys reading this whole situation? Because Gilbert to me is clearly the better player from the recent evidence that we have on the field from both of these players. Gilbert's the better player. Yeah, Drew Stanton went three for eight and sixty three yards against the Redskins. Didn't get as much time, but Garrett Gilbert had obviously a much better game in this game. I think there's a number of things going on. First of all, Stanton could be carrying an injury. That's obvious. Second of all, we just practiced two straight days against the Colts. We had a number of veteran players who didn't play in this game because they had practiced against the Colts for two straight days and like showed, showed well. I don't know how many reps Stanton got versus Gilbert in practice. Like it, it may have just been a thing where we didn't need to see Drew Stanton against the Colts defense anymore. That's like a good point. it, it, it's just been settled. Like whether he sucked or he was good, like it, it's fine. Um, I, I think you learn a lot more about Gary, like getting Gary Gilbert those reps with the quasi number ones in this scenario with behind the number one offensive line um, with Kareem Hunt in the backfield with these wide receivers who aren't really the number ones, but whatever. But so do you think that, that Drew Stanton is actually still solidified as our number two quarterback? And Freddie Kitchens is going to stand by that. And when we start week one, Baker Mayfield goes down. Say all three of them make the roster. Baker Mayfield goes down week one, week two. So I Is think, Drew Stanton getting lugged out there? Or are we putting in Garrett Gilbert? So I, I hope to dear God we put in Garrett Gilbert. So I don't think it I don't think it really matters because I think we're carrying three court I think three quarterbacks make the roster. I think one of them's inactive every week. I think it's probably it doesn't make any sense, but I think the number three quarterback, Gilbert, is inactive every week until somebody other than Baker Mayfield would have to play. And then I think my money would be on Gilbert actually playing over Drew Stanton. That doesn't make sense. Why in the world would Stanton not be the inactive one? That, that's the part that isn't rational. And I don't, I don't know why. I, I agree with you, though. I think that's what they're going to do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, like it's every, stupid. Every sign has pointed to that, right? Like, And maybe it's ego. Maybe it's like... You you people just don't want to tell Drew Stanton that you're not the number two and that this other guy we just signed from the AAF is ahead of you. Like, yeah, maybe Drew, I don't, maybe I don't Drew know. Stanton does so much behind the scenes and he's such an impact in the locker room and an asset to Baker Mayfield that they're just like, yeah, you're getting all the lip service. Or, or maybe you're just gonna get all of it. Maybe Drew Stanton's a guy that you feel really good about, like constantly being prepared. So if he had to get thrown in like mid game to emergency like reps like you would know that he was prepared isn't that most of being a but if you can prepare a quarterback all week like you don't want it to be drew stanton you want it to be somebody who's actually <laughs> With a capable, little more you know a little more ability like, I don't like think it could I... be it could be that like you're you're a good emergency <laughs> option just not i don't like... think drew stanton wants it to be drew stanton either like i I'm, he's constantly rooting for Baker to stay in the game every game, yes. right? Like he does. No he, he's Let's not, go, Bake. He's not looking for an opportunity to show what he's got. And the good news is here is Baker Mayfield has been very consistent and has not missed games due to injury over the course of his collegiate or NFL career to this point. I so. mean, knock on wood, he he doesn't really take hits, which is yeah to his credit. Yeah. Um, yep. That's how you do it. Um. I, this whole thing is ludicrous to me. 
we know that Stanton's not as good as Gilbert, and we also know that Stanton's going to make the team, and we're probably going to keep oh, all three. But he's got to be a bro. Like There's, he's got to just be a great hang. That's what he is. He's great <laughs> Something going on here, um, and I don't think we're going to really find out. But I'm super interested to see, like particularly on the active front, like who is active on game day. That's going to be interesting whenever we get to week one. My money's on Stanton. It'll be Mayfield and Stanton, and I would put a decent bit of change on that. And then who becomes emergency quarterback? Jarvis. I hope it's OBJ or Jarvis. Yeah, probably OBJ or Jarvis. I would put Jarvis back there and let him throw it to OBJ. Just pull it back to his ankle and (laughs) heave it. That's kind of healthy. (laughs) That's exactly what he did. It, it, it grazed the grass, <laughs> but he hucked he hucked that thing like sixty five yards. He did. I mean, in reality, we're just running the wildcat. Like, like yeah. put it's put the Chubb, and, Chubb Hunt and Hilliard. Back there. It's, the, <laughs> it's the Chubb and Hilliard show, yeah. and that's yeah for for a little while. Okay, so whenever we rolled out, I know Michael, you paid attention to this. Whenever we rolled out at the beginning of the game, who was our starting offensive lineman? Because this has been an interesting saga through. The entire well, training. They camp. gave Batonio the day off. Um, so I actually am not even positive. I think it was like Brian Wintzman or something they put at left guard. But it was our, you know, standard starting offensive line where left tackle was Greg Robinson and then Wintzman was taking that left guard spot for Batonio. Center was JC Treader. Right guard was Eric Cush, who's been taking all the starting snaps for the last week or so since that first game. And then right tackle was uh, Chris Hubbard. Um, and they ran that way for a little while, and then first they, first two series, and then they swapped they out Cush for Forbes in the right guard spot. But I think Cush went to center. In yes, I think Cush went to center and had some reps at center with Forbes at left guard, and at right guard they had. Um, Corbett got zero Corbett snaps never, at right guard. Corbett was, was center for all of his snaps. Center. And they had somebody else in there at right guard. I can't remember who. Anyways, it was all jacked up. There was all kinds of things going on. Um, but Cush got a few reps at center before Corbett came in. Um, so anyways, but yes, Drew Forbes played a ton of right guard snaps in this game. But he's played a few series, or at least one series, at left guard before they moved him over to the right side, and he played right guard. Um, and it has been pretty interesting because most of the talk on Brown's Twitter after this game has been about how god awful Austin Corbett was, he didn't and look he good. was pretty terrible. I snaps ha- snaps weren't good, pass blocking wasn't good, run blocking wasn't great. I mean, I was watching the line of scrimmage more than I was watching anything else in this entire game and specifically some of these offensive linemen like Forbes and Corbett and Corbett sucked. He was real bad. I also will say that we are so quick to just like judge based off of like one game. I mean, like the guy is not else, making the team like, and like is not playing in the NFL. In is not playing in the NFL after this game. Like it's like get rid of him. It's a wash. It was a thirty third pick that was just completely flushed down the drain. John, Dorsey's I can't believe an idiot. this. And then you hear in I think in his media appearance today, Freddie Kitchens made a comment that Austin Corbett's not even out of consideration for the right guard spot. 
So, like, we have no idea what's going on in the coaching room and, like, what they're trying to do. They are trying to make sure they have a backup center. And they're probably finding out that Austin Corbett's probably not a great option as the backup center. <laughs> I think this is what the coaches have learned. They were hoping he would be. Lots of people pegged him as a center coming out into the draft last year. It's taken him a little while to adjust. But the guys bounced around. He started as a left tackle. They moved him to guard. They were putting him at center. And they're trying to give him plenty of opportunity to get used to it in case he has to play that spot for us if J.C. Trader goes down. Who knows what they're thinking about Corbett? He's a 33rd overall player. Nearly every draft analyst thought highly of this guy as an interior offensive lineman. Let's give him a little bit of time before we completely disregard him. I agree. He's also he he's, sucks right now. He also has the profile of somebody who like works his tail off. He walked on at Nevada. Yes. Didn't have a scholarship and ended up as the first pick in the second round of the NFL draft. Like that doesn't happen by accident. Like he may not look great. He may not look even fine at this point. He played left tackle at Nevada. He's moving inside. Didn't get many reps last year. Like, let him catch a breath. Yeah. So, anyways, I think it's hilarious how quick everyone is to just completely, like, throw this guy out to the street. And based on this one game, like, I would get that that makes sense. But we don't have the full picture of information. And... Who knows? But I mean, so I also you, don't want him to be our starting right guard right now. I, let's he, be clear. Like, I'm not petitioning for him to be like starting as one of our top five offensive. If linemen, he doesn't start not there. this year and he doesn't start next year, like he would have to start next year for it to be like, okay, he's fine, he's okay. I agree. Like otherwise, it is it is a bad pick and it was a wash. Like let's toss him out because there's no reason to keep him unless he's a serviceable, serviceable can fit in there. Um, Maybe so, he should just grow some facial hair. Who do you Maybe think? that's what he needs. He's, I think that's he's a like would baby be a, face. Yeah, he's he is a very baby, baby face. Who do you? So let's talk about offensive line. Who makes this team? We're halfway through training camp. Two two preseason games down. We're probably going to keep nine offensive linemen. I would bet. It's a safe bet. Who are the nine? Well, the starters are. Right now, I mean, Cush is definitely making the team. So you yeah. take I Robinson, Treader, Cush, and Hubbard. There's your top five. No doubt. Lamb is making the team because he's the only like legitimate swing tackle we got. And he's he's decent. Yeah. Then you got Witzman, Corbett. I think Forbes is making the team. And Forbes. That's nine. Okay. And then Corbett and Kalis. I mean, honestly, Forbes looks a little better than Corbett does right now. So like, yeah. I think Forbes is definitely making the team. But Corbett's making the team unless he would get traded. Like, we're, we're not just going to cut him. If you listen right? to some of these Browns fans on Twitter right now, if you listen to... You, you know better than that. <laughs> there's people that, like, actually know what they're talking about. They're pretty a little persuasive, bit that are That, like, think Corbett should go. Like, Pete thinks Corbett should go. Pete is emotional. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say about that. Um, I'm not sure that he's absolutely said that he should go, but he's insinuated that that, that wouldn't be a bad idea. bad idea. Yeah, he said that talking about like the draft two years ago, and that Dorsey had a bunch of hits and a bunch of big misses, and he's 
saying Corbett's one of those big misses. Well, and then what Kyle Kalis right has now. had concussion issues the last week, so like he's kind of been off the radar. But the guy had plenty of snaps. It's clear that the coaching staff likes him to some degree. So what do you think about Witzman? You think Witzman or Kalis? Who do you like more? I think Hell it's, if I know. I, I think Kalis has the upper hand, but, I mean, the best ability is availability, right? So <laughs> if... Kalis misses the rest of the training camp with a concussion. It's going to be hard for coaching staff to give him the the ninth offensive line spot. So solidified 100% on the backup position. You got Lamb, and then you think Corbett because of where we drafted him. And And then then definitely Forbes because... Then we keep a guy like Brian Finia Ganofo. I'm pretty sure I got that pronunciation right. As like a practice squad type guy. Yeah. And he's athletic. He's got like lots of traits. I think that's a good guy to keep on the practice squad. I mean, you can't move on from Corbett before you cut Chad Thomas, right? Surprisingly, I think that Chad Thomas has shown us more than Austin Corbett has this offseason. Imagine if we had hit on those two picks with like immediate impact players. You should hit with the 33rd pick. The 65th pick is another one you probably want to get some value from, but that's a little more hit and miss than and, the 33rd and by, pick. And by hit, you mean have a player who's like able Playing to on Sunday? Playing on <laughs> Sunday? Yes. Well, um, we also got Jannard Avery in that draft, so that's that makes up for a little bit of it. All right, what else from that game? Um was there anything in particular that you guys want to talk about from the game? I want to talk about the wide receivers a little bit, um, looking at that battle. And I also want to talk about our punter situation. I thought I thought Dearness Johnson looked pretty good. Um, he caught some passes. We ran hard. We don't have a ton of experience at running back, but that's not a position I feel like you need a ton of experience at. I, until Kareem Hunt comes back, we've got three young guys who – have have a decent bit to offer and and I feel pretty good about the skill sets that we have there. I was super disappointed that we didn't get to see more Kareem Hunt. He had like two carries. I he's thought he hurt. was going to get I thought he was going to get way more than that. He's still he's still nursing that that like groin injury Is or he? whatnot, which I think I have a theory that he wouldn't actually be practicing except that he's got 8 weeks to like get healthy once the regular season starts. Nine, so when you count the so might as well just yeah. run him into the ground. What, what are you going to hurt yourself? <laughs> yeah, with Freddie's philosophy to training camp, probably is. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Okay, it's getting a lot of run. Like, even in national media, they're talking about the fact that the Browns are running particularly physical practices with full pads, and it's going nuts. Now, I will say that to this point, we've maybe had some nicks and some players, you know, getting like limited reps because of like small little minor injuries. Nothing major has happened thus far, which is great news. That would be the biggest concern. But is there a concern about the long haul and the effect of a physical camp like this in week 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 at the end of the season? Do these things add up and have a negative effect at the end of the year where they're not ready? Or if you're listening to everything Freddie says, is it building toughness and getting a mindset ingrained in this team that's going to benefit the team at that stage of the game? Because 
I, for instance, I was listening to the Ringer NFL podcast earlier today as I was cutting the grass, and Kevin Clark and Robert Mays are talking about how the LA Rams have seemingly like mastered the. I don't know how to put it. The way to manage their roster and to like hold players out. Load management. Lo- yes, thank you. Load management. Um, they've mastered load management, and they are like keeping players out of practice and not pushing them too much. Definitely aren't playing many of their like key players in the preseason. Michael, would you say you've mastered load management? Um, no, I just let it all out all at once. Yeah. It's Matthew. just a big load. <laughs> Matthew, have you mastered load management? Not at all. Not okay. even close. All right. But they were like saying how it was a very clear element of the Sean McVay coaching tree and that it was not only evident for him, but for the other players or other coaches that are now at other teams like in Cincinnati and elsewhere. Well, and that that seems to be a very positive thing. And that the Rams have been particularly healthy over the last few years, over the course of the entire season. Which is interesting because they've had like a few high-profile injuries. Like I mean, Gurley, but that was something like he got before he got Cup drafted. And like, I mean, but they're not like... Gurley's is like a repetitive use injury, but it's a degenerative like yeah. situation. Um I'm not particularly worried, and and maybe this is naive. My impression that I've gotten from hearing Kitchens talk about this is it's it's very much a camp philosophy, and even more than that, potentially like an early camp philosophy where he's trying to just get a feel for for the guys that he's got. Um, if he carried this through into the regular season practices, which I, I don't even think is like allowed anymore, like it's under the CBA, illegal. Um, then, then it would be a problem. But for the first two, two, three weeks of camp, like by the grace of God, we've avoided like any major injuries. But I'm okay with getting guys used to being physical. I mean, you're you're gonna have to be mindful of of the wear and tear on 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 bodies. But I mean, even we see the guys who are we're gonna be relying on in week 14 and week 15, like. Those guys aren't playing in the preseason. You know, like Miles Garrett didn't even get a snap. This yeah, no, year. I like, do I do like that Olivier they're not playing in the Olivier games. Vernon like missed the first preseason game. He got a couple series this game. Like I'm not concerned that he's gonna be ready to go by the time week one comes around. So, anyways, I don't have enough information to like know, but this is something that's going to be really interesting to monitor. I think I'd rather because them be physical and practice than play the preseason games. Like, I, not for my entertainment value. If like I get disappointed whenever they're not playing in the games, because I want to see them. But, but it's also I think an, it's better. Another point on this front to note is when we watched Hard Knocks last year, Hugh Jackson seemed to be like listening to the trainers and like the advanced like numbers. And that was a big part of that whole like debate with Hugh and um, Freddie last year in that coach's room. Right. And it was basically about this, like holding players out of practice versus letting them like go at it and play through some like minor injuries. Honestly, we were pretty darn healthy last year as a football team overall. And so I don't know if that contributes to it or not. I have no earthly idea. But the red flag's going to come up for me if we do start to have like some injuries earlier on in the season that 
um, keep guys out for a significant period of time. It'll. I'm interested to see it. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I want to go. Here's something I want to talk about. I want to talk about this punter situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my favorite thing is Mark, to talk about the special teams. Mark is all on board the with special. the Scottish Hammer. I am on board with the Scottish Hammer. So we got Jamie Gillen. You guys saw the kick that he had. 75 yards. yards. 74 yards. I'm going to give him an extra one. I'm going to say 75. Basically 85 yards in the air. Or not in the air, but from the place he kicked it at the five-yard line all the way ended up inside the opponent's ten. That is an asset. To be able to have someone who could do that consistently, I don't know if he can. I saw him do it one time, and it really got me going. But if we have Brenton Colquitt, who was a Pro Bowl punter last year, doesn't it make sense if we have a guy like this that did is... Did he make the Pro Bowl? Yeah. I don't think he did. He did? I don't remember. I'm going to call you out on that. But go, go ahead. It. Just go, go ahead. ahead. Look it up. Just go ahead. Um, if we have this person on the roster... And we have this young guy who's going to be way cheaper than paying Britton Colquitt. Why not take a chance on him? I don't think punter's necessarily like the most important position in the entire NFL. But if you take, if you let go of Britton Colquitt, hopefully trade him away, get some asset to a team that is making a push, really wants it, and has a terrible punting situation, might be able to give you. What do we get for Lee the other four? We got a fourth round fourth pick. Fourth round pick. If we can get a fourth round pick for Britton Colquitt, John Dorsey can pull his magic. That would be fantastic. I'll go with Gillen all year long. The Scottish Hammer, all that, all that hair. I'm all about it. We could save over the next three years. We could save four point four million dollars. Yeah, and there's no, years, there's the no years. dead cap if we get rid of Britton Colquitt. So that's a nice little situation there. Yeah, did Britton Colquitt make the Pro Bowl? Mm, not looking good. I don't, I don't see that. I don't think so. I googled uh, Colquitt Pro Bowl. <laughs> hate, <laughs> hate to see it called out on the pod. I really believed that. That was something I believed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bud. Right, he should have. He should have made. Should have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Matthew. Um, but I'm all on the Gillen train. Let's do it. Let's give this give this kid a chance. Pay him nothing for the next couple of years. See if he can do it. It's it's one of punter is one of those positions you just need a base level of competency, and and you can get through. What the worry is, and I think this is probably the worry because front offices and coaching staffs are rather conservative, is that you're going to make the decision to move on from Colquitt and give the job to this new guy, and then three weeks from now you're going to look back and think crap. Where vice versa, you're never going to have to second guess because you, you know, know what, what you have Colquitt. from Colquitt. You're also paying him a lot more, and you're not going to ever know what you had with the other guy. So, I mean, so you can like sleep well at night knowing that Colquitt's your punter and not, not this other dude. You don't yeah, it's true, it. except for if you can get an actual legitimate asset for Colquitt because he's a legitimate punter. If you try to trade Gillen, no one's going to give anything, but they're going to sign him once you cut him. Someone's gonna bring Gillen on I just once, don't we, think once we drop him. I just don't think there's a market for NFL punters like there are for kickers. Like if you have two kickers, like we just saw with the Ravens, they just got a fifth round pick for this um, Vivek or Vidvek or whatever his name is, a kicker that they had backing up of Justin Tucker last year and hasn't ever kicked in an NFL game, but got a fifth round pick for. We got a fourth round pick for a punter. 
Yeah, but it, it, but, but you know who Andy traded L- for it? That was Dave Gettleman <laughs> on the other side of that trade. So it's like, um, unless the Giants are looking for a punter, I don't think we're in the market. Um, yeah. That poor man. He's got to be so gullible. Here's a question for you on this front. Like, Matthew, are you worried or concerned in any way if the Browns decide to move on from Britton Colquitt and go with Jamie Gillen? No. I mean, I, I feel the same way. And I think it's a nice way to pinch pennies, like, ahead of the, you know, what we're going to have to pay out in upcoming seasons. It's an extra $2 million, basically, this year that gets to get rolled over. Yeah, that's valuable. I think, I think I, the other... That's the decision. The, the other element of the analysis to this, if you were thinking about doing it, is looking at who else is available out there. So assume that a couple weeks from now, Gillen like, isn't up to the task and you realize you've made a mistake. If Colquitt's not available to bring back, what's your replacement level sure. punter look like? If you feel decent about your replacement level punter, by all means, roll the dice. Save yeah. some coin, like make it happen. You can't do that with kicker, as us and the Bears and a handful of other teams have realized in the last couple of years. Yeah. There's just nobody out there. So, kicker. That's another 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 topic to cover. Do we have to have a kicker? Can we just like we don't have to. Can we just go for it? What do you suggest? Oh, going for it every time. It would have I been, like that. I mean, we missed two 50-yarders, so we might as well have gone for it in both of those cases. In 50-yarders, just punt it. God. Within 50 yards, just go for it. Well, you know I'm a fan of that. Save a roster spot. We can keep four quarterbacks. Let's go, <laughs> David Blau. It's your lucky day. <laughs> You're, but you're also going to have to tell <laughs> both you, the kickers that they're fired. Can you imagine being like savvy and aggressive enough with your roster construction and not have a kicker, but then keep a fourth quarterback? <laughs> Who's kicking extra points? <laughs> yeah, that's good. You go for it. No, you, you go, go for, for it. Every, you go for two. Every you're, two point you're supposed to go for two anyway. That is what the numbers say. Oh, kicker, what do we want to do? So... Do you think that I'm our pretty, kicker is currently on the roster? You think it's right now? I'd say guys? absolutely not. It's going to be Greg Joseph until somebody gets cut, and it all depends on who's available and who the Browns can get. Okay, if I say can say anything positive about Greg Joseph, it's that the ball looks a lot better coming off his foot this year. I'm not seeing these crazy like kicks that are going in every which direction and curving left and right and doing all kinds of I watched nasty that, stuff. I watched that Jets game. Oh my goodness! It's like a few it was enough to ago. give you a heart attack when that ball was in the air. He went seventeen for twenty on field goals last last year, but those two we made in the Jets game. Good God! Yeah, seventeen for twenty is actually <laughs> real solid. Like you but he was get almost that every fifteen year. for twenty. But I think his percentage was worse on extra points. Oh, it was. Which oh, it was. is ones, so odd. The one he squeaked in to win the Ravens game—that was one of the worst kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> I cannot believe that that went through the uprights. And I mean, like, hallelujah that it did. But And so to give him some credit, they look prettier this year. I think he's probably gotten better in his form and has done better in his approach. It sounds like he's like getting the kickoff quicker, which is good. These are positive things. On the flip side, Austin Seibert's kicks look awful. Like, that kick that he attempted in the game yesterday was not end-over-end. End. 
was like a duck just diving to the left. I don't yeah. have any confidence in that kick. I mean, I didn't think I would ever be presented with this choice, but given the choice, I would prefer a kicker that has struggles with extra points than field goals. <laughs> like, like one's worth one point, the others are worth three. So It, like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, though. It doesn't. I, I could never have fathomed that we could put a kicker together that cannot make an extra point. I wouldn't guess that it would... But go 17 for 19 during the regular season. Yeah, great. 17 for 20. Oh, my goodness. So... Where I'm at is this is Greg Joseph's job until we see somebody become available. Um, before the podcast started, we put together a list of kickers who could potentially be available or currently are. It's a less than impressive list. There's a couple names <laughs> I think we could be interested in. Basically, there's 11 teams that have like um, a second kicker. Yeah. currently signed to any sort of legitimate contract. And most of the second kickers you've never heard of. Never heard of. Which, just because you haven't heard of the guy, doesn't mean that he's trash. I mean, Greg Joseph was 17 for 20 last year, and none of us knew who he was coming into last season. So we probably shouldn't completely discount those guys, but for the purposes of this podcast, it doesn't make any sense to mention the names of these other guys. Um, the top names that are out there so Matthew mentioned that the Ravens just made this trade, got a fifth-round pick to send their backup kicker to Minnesota. Well, the other kicker in Minnesota is Dan Bailey, who was highly sought after coming out of Cowboys camp last year. The Cowboys surprisingly cut him and is probably the biggest name that would potentially be available. I mean, if you're spending a fifth-round pick to get another kicker in, I don't think Dan Bailey's going to survive cuts in Viking at the end of the day for the Vikings. So he's likely to be available. Other kickers, we know Chicago had significant kicker issues, moved on from Cody Parkey, who is available, if anyone wants to go down that route. Um, Do you, Michael? I kind of liked Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey was like, really solid for the Browns three I felt seasons like ago. Cody Parkey got a bad rap because he was flown in day of on the game and missed two field goals. Yeah, but. he was bad in that Dolphins game, which was like he literally flew in that day. And was real solid the rest of the year. He, yeah. had I was, that, he had that YouTube video, didn't he, where he's like kicking the football a bunch of things? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways. But as replacements for Cody Parkey in Chicago, since there was too stale of a taste in everyone's mouth there, they have Eddie Pinheiro, who they traded for from the Raiders. Used to be a Florida Gators kicker. This is his second season. Was hurt last year. And then a kid named Elliot Fry, who are battling it out. And I don't know kicker, if there's a clear leader. Elliot Fry, kicker from South Carolina, played in the AAF recently. So whichever one of those guys misses out is going to be available, and I think either one of those is like a somewhat decent option if we wanted to pick up somebody. And then, but I don't know that either of them inspire any more confidence than Greg right. Joseph at this point. Like they're both kind of in the same boat, where it's like you've got the physical tools and you haven't proved it yet. Yeah, and then the only other kicker that was drafted in this year's draft, aside from Austin Seibert, was Matt Gay, who came out of Utah and went to Tampa Bay. He's um, been doing great. He's hit some really long kicks in preseason so far. The Bucks fans I know and follow on Twitter are like all about this guy. So it seems like all signs point to Matt Gay winning that job, which means that Cairo Santos will not win the job and will be a free agent, and the Browns could potentially sign him as well. So those are kind of the three teams that are likely to get rid of somebody that's going to be available. And then there's a few like old dudes that are sitting out there that 
I don't even know like if they want to kick Matt anymore. Bryant. Matt Bryant. I think Matt Bryant still does want to kick. We'll see if he's... He's 44. He's 44 S- years same old. Same age as Phil Dawson. Sebastian then, Janikowski was I very... I would sign Was very up and down for you know the Seahawks last year, but the I dude's like got a hurt. leg. The dude's got a leg. I would love to be able to put Sebastian Janikowski out there on a long field goal. Can you imagine I mean, you C- know, the Browns fans would love Sebastian Bass and Baker celebrating like a game-winning field goal together? You, you know we have a better chance to make game-winning field goals with Sebastian Janikowski than Greg Joseph or Austin Seibert. It's true. I would feel better about Sebastian Janikowski out there for sure. I would too, the pudge. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm on board right now. Like I know he was hurt last year. He officially retired. Bring him back. Let's do it. Browns. I mean, Josh McCown's back. Why can't Sebastian Janikowski be back? I see no reason why not. Um, All right. So let's talk about some of these other position battles um, as we're going to be closing up and starting the regular season fairly soon. Let's talk about wide receiver. Who do you guys think? It's a flavor of the week situation to me at like wide receiver. It's crazy. At the beginning of camp, I felt like we heard a lot about Ishmael Hyman. We haven't. You know, he's done fine in the games. He had his, like, bad fumble in week one, but he actually had good stats in week one. Didn't see quite as much of him in the second game. Willie's seemed to get all of these, like, first-team reps when some of these guys were sitting out, whether it was Landry or Beckham or whoever, and we almost just wrote him in as, like, one of the, the latter spots. And then he was kind of like with the whole second wave of receivers behind guys like DJ Montgomery and um, the guy whose name I can never remember, number 10. Jalen Strong. Strong. That's the one. And Strong looked great. DJ Montgomery has looked very good in this first two showings. So it's a flavor of the week situation to me. And I think we just react so much based on the last thing we saw. And I think we still have enough time to play that, like, there's about five guys that could hold on to one of these last two spots. And that's what's hard is that the amount that we see just watching these preseason games, like this week in particular, Willie's played after that like first Strong set, set of guys came yeah. through and yeah. played late into the game. We're kind of conditioned to assume that that means, oh man, you're further down the depth chart. Like you're maybe not going to make this team. It could be something else. It could be that they already know what. There's only so many wide receivers. They want to see. Right. They DJ, know what they got with Willie. They want to see what DJ Montgomery has yep. going going forward. I feel like we did the same thing at the defensive end position this year or this week with Zettel. Zettel and I think we're um, trying to shop Zettel. Jannard Avery played a ton of reps, but a lot of that was because Chris Smith and Miles Garrett weren't playing any reps. Olivier Vernon only got two series. Because yeah. he's a vet. We only have, what, seven or eight like defensive ends in camp. Like You sit down three of them. Like, you've just got guys who are going to have to play reps. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's very possible that Willie's could be in that same boat where we just need wide receivers out there playing reps. And if we want to see DJ Montgomery with the, the first team, see what he's got. He, he gets the first shot, and then Derek Willies gets out there for the for the rest of the go. The thing that's confusing to me is I can't tell which of these like end-of-the-roster wide receivers brings value in special teams. 
Williams has been playing special teams a bunch. Because to me, like <laughs> whoever wins the spot has to be a special teams guy. And it's not obvious to me between Hyman and Willies and Strong and any of these guys, which one of them brings value on that side of the ball. And um, I think that's going to be the biggest differentiator. So if you if Willies has been consistent there, like mark him down as wide receiver six. And then we're looking at a wide receiver seven for the first four weeks whenever Callaway's out. So who's that guy? And I think that's the one spot that's kind of up right now. And it seems like at the moment, Jalen Strong has that spot. Wait, well, who's going to return our wide punts? receiver seven? We got OBJ, Landry, Higgins, Callaway. Then that's four. Willies. Then Willies. Strong. Oh, I guess we do have another one. I still like Hyman. Hyman is like who I personally oh, he, prefer. He can go. I don't. I don't give a crap about that guy. You like Montgomery over him? I would much rather keep Montgomery. What, is Hilliard going to return all our punts then? Sure. Why I not? like Hilliard as a kick returner, as a kickoff returner. But I, I, so I said this when we were watching the game. I'm not worried about punt returner. Like, we've got Landry can return, catch a punt and get five yards. OBJ can catch a punt and take it to the house if we need to, and it's willing, we're willing yeah, to take the risk. Yeah, but do we want to do that every time? No. But if Hilliard, Hilliard can do it. We've got Callaway when he comes back. We've got guys. We don't have anybody who's like, oh, you're a go-to like kick returner. We've got enough guys that can do it. I mean, you you watch the Patriots like they cycle different guys through there. Like Edelman will be back there catching the punt sometimes. Hmm. We'll see. I'm perfectly okay with Landry returning the punts because honestly, Landry's going to return the punt, make the first guy or two miss, and get like a positive yardage. And it'll literally only be the first four games, and then Callaway's going to come back and he'll be returning our punts. That'll be fine. He'll drop a couple. Yeah, that's the thing that concerns me. He's not very sure handed on the punt returns. All right, so you guys talked a little bit about the defensive line. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Who do we think makes the final roster on the defensive line? Because the defensive tackle position is interesting. Yeah, it's a question to me of how many of those guys they're going to keep at each position. Because defensive tackles, I don't think you're going to keep more than four total defensive tackles. It's obvious that you would keep Ogunjobi and Richardson as the starters. And then behind them, Deverell Lawrence has been solid. Trevon Coley seems to be so much more suited for a backup role and has been fine. But like you haven't heard much of anything from him. I mean, you've got... Carl Davis. You've got some other guys. The Danny Equale has like flashed a bunch in camp. And like you've seen a lot of praise on his front from the offensive linemen that are playing against him day in and day out. Do you only keep four? Do you keep five? I I don't know. I think in this situation you only keep four um, because we've got guys who can kind of drop down and play inside. Like I a mean, Chris Smith, like a Miles Garrett. Yeah, I mean, like if you need if you need a three tech in like a nickel package or something, you can drop a guy inside. We don't we don't need a whole ton of ton of bodies along that spot. But at the same time, you've got a guy like Jannard Avery who's on the on the outside who you kind of feel like you have an extra pass rusher that you can roster as a linebacker and. So you, you may you may not need that extra 
Because if you only keep four D tackles, you think you would keep an extra DN, you might not need an extra DN. So it's it's all a balance in this case. And and to be honest, I don't know who. I think Deverell Lawrence makes the team. He's looked really good. Um, so then is it- another factor? I think truly, and I've heard this from multiple sources. Everyone loves Deverell Lawrence. Like he is it like can't hurt. He is like friends with everyone in the locker room. Like the center of the party. Like having a good time all the time. Everyone loves Deverell Lawrence. I, I respect his game. Like yeah. like. It's not the defining factor, he's, but he's it's, working it. It's a factor. It certainly is. And and he's flashed on the field, like more, much more so than anything we saw after we picked him up last year, for sure. All right, so then you got Lawrence, and then what do you think? If we only keep four, it's between Carl Davis and Coley. And I think it's Coley. I would say so. He's solid. He's not sexy, but I think he's he's that's the right spot for him. And then I think Carl Davis would be if we do keep five. I think that would be the one you would you would hold on to. But Equale, I think they really like. If they think that they could keep him on the practice squad again this year, um, I know that they'll they'll try to do that. But I know they like Equale too. So actually, I'm not. I'm gonna peel back that Carl Davis comment because I might I might put my chips in the Equale camp. All right. So then a defensive end, you got. A little guy named Miles Garrett. Yes, you do. And Olivier. And then how many do you think you keep? You think you keep four or five? I think you keep five, including Avery. So, I think we're going to keep five at each spot. What do you think? Zettel and Chad Thomas and Avery? I think it's um, Chris Smith is the third. Zettel is the fourth. So then no Chad Thomas. Oh, no. We keep six. Avery might be a linebacker. I don't think Zettel's going to make it. One of them, Zettel or Chad Thomas is not going to make it. Or maybe Chris Smith's not going to make it. I don't know. There's going to be a surprise cut there. I think and Chris I, Smith. And some people are going to be pissed about I, somebody getting cut in this spot. I think Chris Smith is going to make it. Chris Smith was good last year. He's been good. He got like a vet's day off. I would expect this Chris, preseason. Like I, you don't give guys who aren't going to make the team like a vet's day off. But I sure as hell didn't think Carl Nassib wasn't going to make the team last year. I'm just saying, like, there's going to be a cut or two that you're not expecting. Oh, there always is. And I, I think this is a likely spot. But like, if Zettel gets cut, to me that doesn't qualify as a cut that I'm not expecting. Like, sure, whatever, don't care. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like what is what is Anthony Zettel done to make me feel like oh I'm really gonna miss him on my football team? Yeah, and I do think too that you count Avery as a defensive end. We're not keeping that many linebackers because we're mostly gonna be playing a lot of two linebacker sets. It sounds it seems what? like do we have five six linebackers? No, I don't think you even keep six. Does Ray, Man, Ray I would Armstrong love for get a, cut? I would love for a Darius Taylor to. I would love for a Darius game. Taylor to get cut. Yes. I would much rather keep Ray Ray Armstrong than a Darius Taylor. True. Same. Yeah. Keep five. Get rid of Taylor. Yes. That's what I think. 100%. I'd rather keep whatever 56's name is. What? Oh, the dude that made the game-winning play? Yeah. That guy. <laughs> Give me him over Why are you Darius laughing, Taylor. We just, we're 2-0 now, thanks to him. Coming in clutch on fourth down. Love that. Absolutely love it. 
Yeah, our, linebacker, our linebackers that. are pretty clear. It'll be a matter of how many we keep. And, no, Darius Taylor had to like He's so bad. dropped in coverage on that one. It was hideous. Like so bad. Really, really bad. What's that dude that was like a special teams guy that had to play a bunch last year at linebacker for the Browns? <laughs> he might be worse than that guy. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. What was his name? Is like he was like light skinned. Oh man. Oh, what was his name? Oh, I forget. Uh, and he was just lost. Like gave a hundred percent effort. But just had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> Brutal. That is hilarious. All right, so um, let's move on. So, you, did you guys watch the building the Browns? Yes. The uh, the short twenty minute building the Browns episode. What do you guys think about that? That's the last thing I got on my docket. So, it was one thing that was interesting to me was they had the whole like Demarius Randall segment where he was mic'd up. At, that was at near the beginning of the episode. And he was making the comment as he talked to um, Adarius Taylor, actually. And he was saying that this is like he's on a whole new team because the defense is that much different and it's unlike anything he's ever played in before. And I don't think that we have acknowledged the fact that we have a whole new defensive coordinator and a whole new defensive system. And that there's probably going to be some learning pains. Thank God. I mean, it's a good thing. No doubt. No doubt. But, like, that's going to come with some growing pains and guys being out of position and things maybe not being all that cohesive. You mean your safety, early on. safety being, like, way far back off the line of scrimmage and unable to make a play? Use the, use the euphemism, Matthew, the angel position. <laughs> angel position. Um, yeah. And Just you. Standing you, there overlooking, not actually you're not giving engaging. Up. I haven't seen any. Uh, Third and twenty fives converted on screen passes, so it's been fantastic. Yeah. So, but I, it's interesting to me that we haven't actually seen much conversation about that um, to this point about the whole new system and what that might entail. So, anyways, just something to think about as we head into the season. Yeah, it is true, but I mean, the only safety that's on our team that is was here last year is Demarius Randall. True. So, I mean, everyone is in a position where they're going to have to learn. You bring in so many new bodies, everyone's going to have to learn. That's just something that happens in the NFL over and over and over again. Just because it's difficult for Demarius Randall doesn't necessarily mean that we have to spend too much. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll definitely be different, not playing as many linebackers. I thought it was just fun. Like you mentioned this last week, Michael, just watching the players interact with each other, seeing uh, Miles Miles Garrett's new... Miles Garrett's new haircut, him and Ogan Joby's relationship, them just hanging out. I love that they're like two peas in a pod. Yeah, like we're little, just interested in like a lot of a lot of dork things, yeah. like On the, the poetry. Line. You know, we like the same poetry and literature. And it's actually like really encouraging to me. There's part of me that has always been worried about Miles because he's like a little bit of a different cat, and that he wouldn't fit in. Like, wouldn't would kind of be isolated and not want to be here or not want to play football anymore. Like, you just never know. Like, if you're not having a good time and watching him just interact oh, with he, Ogan Joby. He seems he, so loose and he, so comfortable. Like, And you mentioned that he's so much more vocal this year. Like, in oh all gosh. of the behind-the-scenes I like, think he footage. finally realizes that he's the best player. Like, he finally, like, realizes he, that he he's needed, the best player. He needed, like, he's humble enough to, like, wait 16 games to, like, watch and, like, see the full spectrum. And then he's like... Oh yeah, no, I've got this. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, no, my, one of my favorite moments from that building the Browns was they were asking, uh, they were talking to the two of them, Ogunjobi and Miles, and Ogunjobi was talking about how Miles is so loose, like during practice, and is like cutting up and like joking around all the time. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little more serious." And it's like, "Well, yeah, he's got to be more serious because he's got to try hard because it's not so like." God given and like natural for anyone else on the football field other than Miles Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett can joke around because it's like he just has to be. Because he can get off the ball faster than anybody else. Because this whole thing's a joke to him. Like, oh, oh my goodness. It's so easy. This is freaking God. Unbelievable. Every time I, I've seen some still frames of like the ball being snapped, Miles Garrett's just a blur. Everyone else crystal clear. Like, you can see they're all still sitting there still. The ball's definitely snapped. Miles is a blur. He's already going. So is this pure just, like, reaction time? Like, he's, like, that much better? Or are there, like, very specific things that he's, like, studying and doing to be able to get off the line that quick? I, th- I think he's – I think it's both. I think he's got a faster reaction time. I also think that he picks up on nuances of – and, like, it's part of his game to like try to jump that snap. Like you see it all the time where, I mean, it seems like every other game he's getting like a crucial offsides penalty, which is frustrating as hell, but it's like, nah, just it doesn't bother what me. What you live with, you know? <laughs> I know. It doesn't bother I me I give at him all. so much, <laughs> I give him so much grace. Even when it's third down and four, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> First down, whatever, go get him. <laughs> Atta boy, Miles. <laughs> getting after it yeah. that's my guy oh man that's funny all right well well i mean we've upcoming this week who do we have i don't actually i should know this this is sad i don't know who we're playing in our third preseason game um, is we're it playing the tampa Detroit? bay does Are it we? does it matter it doesn't matter except yeah. that this is the one game where we'll probably see some of the starters for yeah. like a series or two friday seven thirty eastern tampa bay oh in Tampa. I'm going to be in Cleveland when this game's going on. Hmm. You should go watch. I'll go to like a local bar or something to yeah. watch it. We'll tweet it out. Everybody can go hang out. No, nobody wants to do that. No. No. <laughs> we'll tweet it out, but we don't expect anybody to show up. You don't have to. We understand. It's just Michael. <laughs> uh, why are you going to be in Cleveland? Uh, going on a little trip with a couple of my buddies. We're going to go to Cedar Point, go to an Indians game, do all the Cleveland things. Love that. Well, if you do really want to see Michael and make him feel really important in front of his friends, you guys can reach out to him. And this, this is something we should do. Actually, if you if you've got good Cleveland things that Michael and his couple buddies should do while they're in town, send it to us at Son of Our Fathers on Twitter. We're staying downtown at an Airbnb, so restaurants in particular yeah. would be highly uh, desirable. I mean, if left to his own devices, Michael would just be in the casino. All night, so he might as well oh. do something else. I like, will be he, in the casino. He can do the casino as well, but he needs other things to do. I absolutely love that. Oh, man, I wish I was there. That was so fun when we were there last year. Oh, I cannot wait for week three. Yeah. We're hitting that blackjack table. Um, all right, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Um, go Browns, everybody. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Follow us on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. Send us an email sinofourfathers at gmail.com. And please, 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 if you like our podcast, tell a friend and rate it five stars on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a comment. That really helps us um, so that more people can see our podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. 
Go Browns. (laughs) 